You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We'll spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at AmericasWebRadio.com. And you can find out more about me on my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Uh, go to our website, check out our, some of our resources. Um, we have some free downloads there uh, and other useful information. Uh, whether you're a land surveyor or a homeowner. <clears throat> uh, again, uh, the disclaimer, I'm not your attorney. I'm not here to give you legal advice. If you uh, need legal advice... Uh, seek out an attorney uh, in your area who's familiar with your situation. Okay, uh, so anyway, uh, but on that note, um, you know, one of the problems uh, with uh, surveying and litigation is um, there just aren't a whole lot of attorneys out there um, who uh, understand the nuances of land surveying and many of the things that we've been talking about on this show right. for the last, <clears throat> what is it, like 30, uh, 39 episodes, 40 episodes. So uh, when you're, um, when you're, uh, if you are in need of an attorney, uh, you have uh, an issue, uh, like a, you're a landowner and you have an issue with uh, a surveyor <clears throat> or surveying or your property boundaries. Um you need to uh, you need to vet that attorney to a certain extent. Um, you need to know uh, has that attorney ever been involved in boundary dispute cases, and uh, if so, um, try to get an idea. Uh, uh, and if you've been listening to this program, you might bounce some of the stuff that I've been talking about off of your attorney. And uh, certainly, uh, attorneys do not need to be uh, experts in the field. Um, that they are um, uh, in the professional field that could be involved in in the case, um, like boundary surveying. So obviously, uh, that's where experts come into play, um, and expert witness testimony and the expert helping the, the attorney out with the case uh, becomes uh, becomes really important. So uh, just keep that in mind, and also keep in mind when you're hiring a surveyor. Um, there's a few questions that you probably want to ask. Uh, one of those questions is, uh, are you insured? Uh, a lot of uh, There's a lot of surveyors out there who uh, do not carry errors and emissions insurance. And uh, the supposed reason for that is <clears throat> it's protection from lawsuits. Because if you have... If, um, uh, if there's nothing to be gained by, uh, by suing the surveyor, then uh, why why sue the surveyor? And I've seen this in action. I've seen this uh, actually happen uh, on um, on several occasions where uh, they didn't go after the surveyor, although the surveyor was the cause of the problem. They didn't go after the surveyor because there was nothing to be gained. And so in these in these dispute cases, boundary dispute cases, what usually happens, especially in a boundary dispute case, <coughs> what usually happens is, excuse me. <coughs> happens is uh, the neighbor sues neighbor and so um, that's because uh, there's something 
that is um, uh, there's land that's uh, usually the, the typical boundary dispute case. There's a land dis- there's a dispute over the location of the property boundary, and so uh, there's land involved. The, the principles run high, uh, but the pockets uh, to fund the litigation uh, aren't very deep. All right. Uh, so anyway, last week uh, we did, uh, we decided that, or at least I decided that we were going to try to uh, wrap this uh, wrap up this discussion about that for this year about surveying and some of the problems with surveying that we've been discussing, uh, and uh, uh, wrap that up by the end of the year, uh, either this episode or the next one uh, next Monday. And um, we're going to, in order to do that, we're going to have to go back through some of the problems we've discussed, maybe in a different uh, in a different light. And then um, we're going to talk about um, some some of the nuances of surveying. And then uh, to finally wrap this discussion up, we're going to talk about uh, some solutions uh, for the surveying community, uh, for the surveying profession, and uh, which will result in solutions for landowners. I believe uh, just about where we left off last week, I'm going through a program that I have called a new practice model, uh, just uh, using the slides to sort of prompt the conversation. And we uh, we started out with uh, looking at some uh, some of the problems in the what we'll call the current practice model. What do I mean by practice model? I mean uh, the uh, uh, modus uh, operandi of the of the Typical surveyor, the 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 process that the surveyors go through uh, in doing uh, in doing their their job, and I think just we we probably uh, stopped somewhere in the neighborhood of um, the surveyors. Um, hold on. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, surveyors, generally speaking, the the, the typical uh, survey practice is to find problems, but the surveyor can't solve the problems. Uh, it seems uh, that, uh, you know, in, in some instances, the surveyors are, are um, that, that's the goal. The goal is to go out and find problems, not solve any problems. And many times in, uh, in this apparent zeal for finding uh, the problems, uh, they end up uh, creating more uh, problems. Um, and this this is an issue for the land surveying profession because if all you can do as a land surveyor is find people's problems, then eventually uh, the land surveyors actually become the problem. And I do have a few quotes here from some cases just to uh, just to highlight this. This is from Deal versus Zanger, uh, eighteen seventy nine. The opinion by Cooley. And if you're familiar at all with surveying, you've probably heard of Justice Cooley. He uh, was a, uh, a brilliant jurist. He was um, on the Michigan Supreme Court uh, near the end of his career. Uh, he is the uh, he's he started the law school at the University of Michigan, and it's uh, it's named after him, the Cooley School of Law at the University of Michigan. He um, Michigan. He was. Uh, absolutely brilliant uh, person, absolutely brilliant uh, uh, attorney uh, and, and justice. Um, and we we in the surveying community um, are familiar with him from a speech that he gave uh, in, uh, the, in the mid-1880s. 
uh, at the uh, Michigan Engineering Survey, uh, Engineering and Surveying uh, Society's uh, one of their uh, biannual meetings. Um, he gave a speech called "The Judicial Function of the Surveyor," which has been widely um, spread uh, across the surveying uh, profession, and uh, many surveyors are very familiar with his speech. Uh, that was um, that he it was a paper that he presented uh, at that first meeting, and then two years later, um, something. Uh, the, what what isn't true is he didn't go back to two years later. He didn't make his speech all over again. Uh, because he couldn't come to the uh, couldn't come to the next meeting, he um, uh, but he did revise his uh, his paper to a little bit. He added a few paragraphs in on his paper, but uh, it's uh, he is he is widely known in the serving uh, community, and uh, he just had uh, and, and he's quoted um, he's quoted all over the country. Um, and primarily, he's quoted out of Deal versus Anger, this 1878 uh, decision in Michigan that was at the Michigan Supreme before the Michigan Supreme Court when he was a justice there. Uh, and it, it has to do with property rights, surveyors, and uh, original uh, original monuments in the ground, uh, and just and being able to only find people's problems, not solve them. And so the first quote here is the surveyor in this case, and what happened in this case, Deal versus Anger, it's, it's, it's unfortunately a situation that repeats itself uh, over and over and over again, uh, even, you know, a hundred, a uh, hundred and what, some 30, 40 years later, um, it, it continues to repeat them, itself. The, the surveyor in this case was the city surveyor. And instead of uh, going to the property and trying to find where the boundary lines have become established on the ground, he used a starting point blocks away uh, where he <coughs> found some monuments that <coughs> he ostensibly thought would uh, would be a good starting point for precisely laying out the um, the geometry from the plat. And we're talking about a plat that was uh, probably... Uh, issued in the mid to early 1800s, and back in those days, uh, it was pretty much uh, common practice to to stake out the corners with wood stakes that wouldn't survive uh, for very long at all. And uh, so, this surveyor, um, under a, a misguided uh, duty, decided uh, to take uh, some points he found blocks away. Uh, from the uh, the action in the case, and to precisely as possible put uh, put new monuments in the ground. And when he did that, of course, he came up with um, a, a differences. He came up with differences, uh, which we will discuss. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a break here, uh, and we'll come back and pick up with um, with Bill versus Anger, the opinion by Cooley. Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quick stakes today. And this is a great time to buy quick stakes. That way you can write them off 
in 2020 as expenses and uh, not have to worry about writing them off in uh, a year from now. So go ahead and buy them today. 800-438-0387 is the number to call, and you'll be glad you did. Stock up on those quick stakes. We'll be back right after this. This is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warrior to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who've been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio, for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at noon on January 28th. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. Okay, before the break, we were talking about uh, one of the problems with the current practice model of surveying, and that is surveyors can only seem to be able to only find problems. They can't solve them. And then we got off on a discussion about uh, Justice Cooley and his opinion in Deal versus Anger, which uh, I have personally seen referenced in at least a dozen other states. I haven't done a I haven't done a full blown out you know full blown search to try to find uh, where uh, Justice Cooley has been cited in other jurisdictions. I should really do that someday because. Um, Cooley just ends up uh, showing up uh, uh, when you least expect it, or maybe you do expect it because it's a boundary dispute case. And he was just—he was a brilliant jurist. Um, so anyway, uh, and, and we as surveyors look to him because he's—he's he's had a few things to say about surveying and surveying practice, and that's why we're considering him right now. So the city surveyor came out there. This old plat came out there somewhere in the uh, early 1870s, mid 1870s. The case was decided in 1878, so the action in the case probably took place around 1874, 1875. Maybe these cases take some time to go make their way through the courts. Um, and so the surveyor from blocks away took a couple of stakes that he found at some property corners and then precisely as possible uh, laid out the geometry from the subdivision. And by the time he got to deal in Zanger's property, uh, deep into uh, a block, um, you know, several blocks away from the starting point. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, the city surveyor's uh, location of the property line between Deal and Zanger was uh, some four to five feet uh, different than the uh, than the uh, the fence locations. And so uh, that's what started. There was there was no problem. Deal and Zanger were uh, were living next door to each other in happy, peaceful coexistence until the surveyor came along and um, and gave them the idea that the fences were wrong and that uh, the measurements were correct. So in this case, the surveyor not only uh, the surveyor didn't just find a problem; the surveyor created a problem, created a problem that the surveyor seemed uh, to be totally incapable of solving. And uh, so the quote, 
the surveyor has mistaken entirely the point to which his attention should have been directed. The question is not how an entirely accurate survey, I would say precise, I would change the word accurate to precise, would locate these lots, but how the original stakes located them. And why is that? Because the original, when the original stakes are in the ground at the time of the conveyance, uh, generally speaking from American boundary law, American jurisprudence, uh, they are they are sacrosanct. They're infallible, and that's because when the people move in uh, with the stakes in place, especially when there's a common grantor, like in a subdivision, but even beyond the common grantor, there's this doctrine of monuments that we have. Uh, it's presumed the presumption is that um, the the landowners came in and, and glommed on to those corners and the lines represented by those corners. And therefore, their property rights attached to those monuments that were in the ground at the time of the conveyance. They attached. That's where the property rights are. That's why they're sacrosanct. It has very little to do with the surveyor. Uh, it has, and, and boundaries are, are are not established or reestablished through surveying effort. Boundaries are established. Uh, through the uh, activities of the landowners. We've discussed this on many occasions. Uh, no rule of real estate law is more inflexible than the monuments control course and distance, a rule that we have frequent occasion to apply in the case of public surveys where there is propriety, justice, and necessity are never questioned. Let's see if there's anything else I want to look at. Uh, we'll move on. All right, so the next problem is... Um, uh, is similar to what we just talked about. Surveyors can't uh, solve problems. They can only find them. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, <clears throat> and Brown encouraged that, um, uh, Curtis Brown encouraged in his writings that uh, if we had a problem, just um, hide behind your client's deed and send them, uh, them the landowners, off uh, to the attorneys uh, to help them with the problem. So we leave... Uh, problem solving uh, to, um, in essence, the real professionals, the attorneys, the judges, etc. When this is this is an area of of, of um, this is an area of property law, real property law, that is just um, uh, it's just it's just ripe to be taken over uh, by the surveyors because. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, if you're if you're a landowner and you uh, you're having a problem with a boundary or a surveyor or surveying results, um, there's just there's just not that many attorneys out there uh, who really understand the nuances of of land surveying. Surveyors <coughs> could play a, a huge role uh, here, and uh, not just uh, not just uh, fi- finding the problems and. Uh, and leaving the landowners to their own devices, but in, but in actually stepping in and um, and try to help resolve uh, the problems that that are found. Um, it, it's just it's it's just an area that's there's there's no uh, there there are very few specialists in in, in this area outside of the surveying profession. Um, and, and quite frankly, even a lot of surveyors really don't understand what surveying is about. But this is just an area. This this is called alternative dispute resolution. That's that's what it is. And alternative dispute resolution is uh, is popular um, uh, in the uh, it's uh, it's it's gaining popularity in the uh, in the legal community because uh, it 
uh, it's, it's a way of avoiding expensive litigation and getting down to a resolution to a problem. Uh, and, and the boundary dispute uh, uh, scenario, uh, surveyors could do a lot more than they're doing now uh, towards uh, resolving disputes <clears throat> as opposed to just finding them. Okay. Moving on. I think this is about our last problem. Then we're going to talk about some uh, some retracement issues. But <clears throat> we've discussed this to a certain extent before as well. Uh, the surveying profession has turned surveying property boundaries into a commodity, not a professional service. Um, the hallmark of a commodity, uh, the the, um, the 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 hallmark of a commodity is that uh, how do you know the difference between professional services and and commodity and a commodity like a pizza um, the difference is uh, or the hallmarks of that you're not providing a service but uh, professional service but you're actually providing a commodity uh, is that a service pro- uh, provider is totally irrelevant the service provider is totally irrelevant all we want is our pizza to be hot, uh, delivered on time? Uh, that's it. Maybe even in the maybe even in the the pizza business, uh, these are closer to professional services than uh, surveying uh, than surveying property. The run of the mill small uh, property boundary surveys. Um, but if the service provider is totally irrelevant in the discussion, it doesn't matter who you get. All that matters is price then you know that you're not providing a professional service. You are providing a commodity. And unfortunately, that's where we are with uh, surveying practice, uh, the run-of-the-mill sur- uh, boundary survey in the United States of America. And here's here's how it goes. You, you're sitting in your office as a surveyor. Someone calls up. What's the first thing they want to know? They want to know, um, do you survey property? second thing they want to know is, how much do you survey property for? And, of course, then you get into discussion about what kind of property are we talking about, and then the last question is when. And if you hit their price points and their timing points, then you're probably going to get hired. Uh, if you don't hit their price point, it doesn't matter if you're the best surveyor in the United States of America. You're not getting the job um, because uh, they don't understand um, – and, and the surveying profession has driven the small uh, survey of, uh, of individual lots and just the smaller surveys have, have driven it into the ground um, from, from a price standpoint where uh, the only thing they're looking for with that telephone call is uh, how much and when, how much and when. And uh, that, that means we're, we're you're selling a commodity and these are no longer professional services. And that's, that's a cry and shame because um, you know, my undergraduate degree is in business. And one of the things they taught us in business school is uh, find a niche, find a niche and exploit it. Find a niche and exploit it. And if we look at the uh, overall geospatial uh, community, uh, the occupations in the geospatial community, which includes licensed surveyors, there are geographic information uh, technologists, there are geographic information system technicians, 
there are mapping technicians, surveying technicians, precision agriculture technicians, remote sensing technicians, geodetic surveyors, license surveyors, remote sensing scientists and technologists, cartographers and photogrammetrists. Uh, according to some Labor Department statistics back in 2008, there's roughly 857,000 uh, professionals, technicians, occupations in the overall geospatial umbrella. Of that, licensed surveyors consist of about 7%. Licensed surveyors consist of about 7%. And uh, of all the things, of all of the activities uh, that are available uh, for um, geospatial uh, occupations, uh, gathering and evaluating data acquisition of spatial information, uh, remote sensing, um, the design and administration of geographic information systems, analyzing and interpreting uh, spatial objects, uh, including visualization of communication, such uh, data in maps, models, and a model of digital device, mobile digital devices, uh, all of the things that can take place in the uh, uh, or the functions of uh, the occupations in the geospatial community, of all of those things, there is only one thing uh, that the surveyor, the, the licensed surveyor can do that no one else is supposed to be doing, and that is the determination of the position of boundaries on the ground, property boundaries. Uh, no one else is supposed to be doing that. Uh, the county, uh, <clears throat> in most counties, there's a uh, there's a disclaimer. If you go to the uh, uh, the mapping department at your local uh, county courthouse, uh, there will be a disclaimer that uh, that they're not surveyors, they're not attorneys, uh, and um, all they do is uh, put the property lines on these maps for taxing purposes, and uh, they they discount the veracity of their maps. They they they. Um, uh, so that it's clear that they, you know, they, they have a purpose for drawing property lines in a GIS, and, and the purpose is to be able to take, uh, create tax bills, uh, so that they can collect the taxes, of course. But nobody else, uh, other than surveyors, are, are licensed and sanctioned by the state, um, are licensed and sanctioned by the state to give an opinion on where property lines are located on the ground. That is the definition of a niche. Service. That's a definition of a niche service. And how is it that the land surveying profession has been able to turn that into a commodity? And we'll talk about that uh, when we come back uh, after this break. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Absolutely, and get them before the end of the year. That way you can write them off for 2020 and uh, not have to worry about them in 2021, a year from now and writing them off. You'll be getting some more by then. 
Anyway, we also want to invite you to uh, go to our website, americaswebradio.com, and look at the many things that are available there. Uh, we have a patrons program. We have a list of, of uh, our service or our, our uh, re- retirees from the service, our veterans praying for veterans. And that's go- that program is going over very well, and we ask that you join us. If you know a veteran or you are a veteran and ne- feel like you need prayer, just uh, fill out the form and send it to us, and we'll mention your name on our veteran shows. And uh, goes around the world, and you'll have a lot of veterans keeping you in mind as you go through whatever problem you're going through. So take advantage of that and uh, become a patron and keeping great shows like the Surveyor's Hour on the air. We'll be back right after this. This is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warrior to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who've been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio, for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at noon on January 28th. That event is going to have all sorts of things, and we look forward to not only Rocky Blyer being a part of it, but we have a special other guest that's going to be a part of it, and that's Lee Greenwood. And we're looking forward to uh, working with them on it, and they have all sorts of things that you can bid on, Uh, everything from... Signed guitars from uh, Lee Greenwood and just all sorts of things that will be of interest and you'll want to bid on them. So we'll be back right after this and we'll be getting right back to Jeff. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. All right, we were wrapping up uh, this discussion uh, about the problems, current problems in the, uh, and uh, or the problems in the current practice model of land surveying, and what we uh, we're talking about is how surveying uh, property, especially the smaller projects, uh, what sometimes referred to as mortgage surveys, uh, small you know house uh, surveys, uh, small tracts of land. Um, that's that's no longer a professional service. It's been turned into a commodity. And so how did that happen? How did we take a great business model like uh, find a niche and exploit it and turn it into a commodity? Well, we did that as a profession by allowing uh, by allowing any, any person who can pass a minimally competent test to get a surveyor's license. And then we allowed them... Unlike any other profession, we allow them to do the most important work that we have. And the result is um, um, a lot of these surveyors uh, don't have the skills, the knowledge, or the training uh, to properly 
conduct a retracement survey, uh, a retracement survey, uh, and therefore uh, they end up uh, making uh, stupid mistakes. Negligence. It's negligence. Um, and there's a prohibition in just about everybody. When I say everybody, I mean all jurisdictions, all 50 states. Uh, in the ethics code, uh, everybody's ethics code, that uh, the practitioner uh, is not to practice uh, outside of the practitioner's area of expertise. And this is just violated all the time. And just about every case uh, I, I, I read, I write about, I talk about, I bring up on these uh uh, on, on this podcast, uh, just just about every time there's a there's a dispute and it goes to court. Uh, there's a surveyor who doesn't need to be surveying property involved uh, in the case um, because that surveyor. Uh, how how about uh, our, uh, our Weber versus Kroger? Weber versus Kroger. We went over that case uh, a few weeks back. Uh, Tennessee Court of Appeals uh, in Nashville. Uh, the surveyor in that case. Um, according to the opinion, could not give, <clears throat> could not explain his theory of retracement. Could not explain why he did what he did. Uh, the surveyor was, uh, in my opinion, totally incompetent uh, and should not be allowed to survey uh, people's property because what's what's involved here are property rights. What's involved here are property rights. Uh, and those are very important. Um, and again, no other profession allows this to happen except the surveying profession. Uh, the uh, you can't just you know uh, go through medical school and get a medical license and then go perform open heart surgery or brain surgery. Uh, these are some of the most important um, uh, um, functions of the medical profession, and they don't just allow anybody to, anybody with a medical license to do it. Um, because if they did, if they did, then uh, the bodies would stop, start piling up, and uh, uh, that would catch somebody's attention, and they would do something about it. And they have done something about it. Uh, you can't just, uh, just as an attorney, you can't just go take a capital punishment case, um, because that's that's some of the most important work that attorneys do, uh, and uh, you know, life and death hangs in the balance. Um, but as a land surveyor, all you have to do is uh, pass a minimally competent test. They give you a land surveyor's license, and then you can go out and mess around with people's property boundaries. And that's exactly what's happening. And do it, uh, and do it at a bargain basement price. Uh, do it at a bargain basement price. Uh, surveyors seem to be the uh, the only profession that I know of. There, maybe there's others out there. The only profession that I know of that's racing to the bottom. Uh, we can't survey cheap enough. Um, and uh, that's how we took um, a, a great business model, like find a niche and exploit it. And we turned, uh, I'm, I'm just going to call them little surveys, doing little surveys, uh, you know, house surveys, uh, small tracks, um, subdivision lots, uh, how we turned uh, a niche service into a commodity uh, because, uh, by and large, the surveying profession is racing to the bottom. Uh, and that's, that's just a fact. I'm not, I'm not trying to be too critical. That's, that's where we are. There's no denying it. 
All right, so those are the problems. Uh, so next, what I want to do is, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to wrap up this week, so next week we'll wrap up. But um, what we're going to do next is just look at a few principles of retracement surveying, and I call it principles of retracement surveying, which you may or may not know. Uh, so we're going to just look. You may know some of this stuff. Maybe you don't know some of this stuff. But this is some of the, the nuance, uh, some of the uh, esoteric uh, uh, issues of retracement surveying that, the, that it, the attorneys might not know. Even some surveyors don't know. Some of it will be very familiar. So we're going to just lay out these principles, ten principles of retracement surveying, which you may or may not know. And then next week we'll get into some of the solutions, uh, how, how we can turn this thing around. Not only for uh, for the future of the surveying profession, but also for the protection of the, the landowners, the people we work for, the protection of the landowners, the, the people uh, we work for, uh, and and the people we're supposed to be protecting. Because um, in, in the final analysis, there's only one reason. There's only one reason to license surveyors and give them this exclusive privilege of. In the first instance, before there's a lawsuit, no one else in the United States of America can do this. Okay, the the land surveyor uh, across all jurisdictions, they're they're licensed, they're required to be licensed. It's a regulated profession, but there's only one reason for that, and that is the protection of private property rights. The protection of private property rights. If we're not protecting private property rights as land surveyors, then we're not needed. Society does not need the land surveyor. So um, that's that's the only reason, and that's our niche. That's it. Uh, there's only two fundamental principles of surveying. You're either an original surveyor laying out brand new lines for the very first time in new locations for a common grantor, or you're a retracing surveyor, finding where the lines have already become established on the ground. Surveyors don't establish anything. We got into that with the discussion about the NCEES definition of surveying. Uh, a terrible, um, egregious definition that provides cover for negligent survey practice. How does it do that? Well, here's the definition. Here's the definition from the NCEES model law, model laws and statutes. I think this is. I think this definition goes. Uh, is in the stat is in the model statutes, which many many uh, regulatory boards, engineering and surveying regulatory boards across the country have adopted. Uh, the definition of surveying property boundaries is the surveyor locates, relocates, establishes, reestablishes, and retraces boundary lines. Let me give it to you again. I'm, I'm going by memory. I wasn't going to necessarily go over this. Locates, relocates, establishes, reestablishes property boundaries. Okay? What does locate mean? Well, um, that, that kind of sounds like retracement. I'm going to locate where the boundary lines have become established on the ground. That sounds like retracement work. What about relocate? We're going to relocate the boundaries. That's what the surveyor in Deal versus Anger did. He relocated the boundaries. That relocate, just pull out Webster's dictionary. Relocate means move to a new position. So the surveyor in Deal versus Anger, who um, who started from blocks away from Deal and Zanger's properties, 
and then precisely as possible came in and laid out the geometry from the plat and ended up um, showing Dillon's anger that they were their fences were four to five feet off. He relocated the property lines. What did he violate? Where's the violation from the statute? There is none. The, the definition the definition covers the bad practice. We all know from the cases we read, we all the, the anybody listening to this program for any amount of time, we all know that the, the function, the only function of a retracing surveyor is to find where the lines have become established on the ground, not to relocate them. Even if there was a blunder in the original survey, uh, all of the courts say in all jurisdictions, the, the function of the retracing surveyor is to find where the lines were originally laid out by the original surveyor, and I take it a step further and say find where the lines have become established on the ground. That is the only function. That's the purpose of licensing surveyors. Not to correct those lines. And why do we not want to correct them? Because of the property rights that have attached to those monuments that are in the ground and the lines that you would draw between uh, the monuments. That's it. So, locate, okay, that sounds like retracement work. It doesn't say retracement work. It doesn't explain, doesn't define what what a retracement survey is. Relocates, we're going to move the boundary. And, and here is just the, the here's here's the proof that the NCEES do not does not know the people who put this definition in place have no clue what surveying is all about because surveyors establish nothing. The next part of the definition is surveyor establishes and reestablishes. That doesn't happen through surveying activity. Surveyors establish nothing. As I said earlier, the surveyor is just a tool in this in this whole scenario. The only people who can establish a boundary are are the landowners through the activity and inactivity of the landowners. That's how boundaries become established. Okay, and then reestablishment. That kind of sounds like relocate. That kind of sounds like we're gonna we're going to establish a new location. Uh, of of the property line, and then the final part of that definition is retracing. Well, retracing is retracing. The only problem is, uh, I'm not sure that half of the land surveyors in the United States of America can explain any theory of retracement. The surveyor in Weber versus Kroger couldn't. Um, the surveyor in uh, what was another case we went over? Okay, got a half minute to the break. Uh, okay, I'm going to try to uh, speed things up here in the last uh, last segment, and we're going to get through uh, these uh, retracement um, issues, principles, and then we'll next week we'll come back and we will wrap this conversation up by talking about some solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. And I want to take this opportunity to remind everybody how important it is to save our Second Amendment. So get out and vote for Kelly Lockler and David Perdue, because we will lose our Second Amendment if we don't retain the Senate. 
It's that important. So get out and vote if you haven't already. You have until the 5th of January, but uh, locations, polling locations are all over the place. And no excuse not to vote. And we have to keep Kelly Lockler and David Perdue in the Senate to keep our checks and balances and not lose our rights. We'll be back with more right after this. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today you're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening Okay, welcome back. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. All right, we were just talking about um, the, the two fundamental principles of surveying. You're either an original surveyor laying out brand-new lines for the very first time for a common grantor. you got to have a common grantor. You can't be an original surveyor um, because the, there's no authority for setting these brand-new lines unless the common grantor uh, is uh, subdividing his or her property. Uh, so that uh, that first uh, principle of surveying, original surveyor, is uh, that is a uh, the, the 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 focus, the primary purpose is to as precisely as possible, precisely as possible, lay out the geometry from the plan of subdivision, lay out the geometry from the deed. Uh, it's a it's a measurement and math task. And the goal is to, as precisely as possible, put that geometry on the ground. So uh, that's uh, once the exterior boundary is is resolved, then it, it becomes a, a measurement function after that to set the interior lines of the subdivision. Uh, <clears throat> in contrast, and a retracement survey is an evidentiary exercise. It's not a me- measurement task. There's measurements involved. Measurements are evidence. Measurements are merely uh, evidence, and generally speaking, the lowest form thereof. Uh, the object of the retracement survey is to identify where the property lines have become established on the ground uh, <clears throat> by gathering and evalu- evaluating the best available evidence, weighing that evidence, and then rendering a well-reasoned opinion on the only question open to the surveyor. The surveyor only has one question. Uh, in the boundary determination scenario, <clears throat> there's a, it's a two-part question. The first part of the question is, what is the property? That's a legal question. It's lot nine of Garfunkel subdivision. It's this certain property described in this uh, meets and bounds description. It is this certain aliquot parts, the southeast quarter, the southwest quarter, section township and range. That's what the property is. That is the legal question. The factual question, which is the surveyor's question, it's not a legal question at all. Given what the property is, where is it located? So surveying really is 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 relatively simple. There uh, there is only one question. To, there's only two two fundamental principles of surveying. 
you're either an original surveyor or a following surveyor. Um, and there's only one question to answer. Where? Where's the property located? <clears throat> and the surveyor, that's the whole reason for licensing surveyors. That is the only reason we're a regulated profession. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, surprisingly, um, we're going to get into this next principle um, that we're going to debunk, uh, hopefully. Um, if your original survey, if your original surveyor uh, working for a common grantor, that's a that's a math measurement and math uh, problem, um, or your retracing surveyor finding where the lines have become established on the ground, then then where where does this idea of staking the deed come from? Where does this idea of uh, find a couple of points on the ground with a geometric connection to the piece of property you're going to survey? And then as precisely as possible, you stake out the geometry from the deed, uh, and that will usually end up with uh, creating conflicts at each corner of the property. Uh, maybe maybe one corner is held, but um, uh, if the geometry is then precisely put on the ground without, um, without uh, it's, called, it's what we call deed staking, uh, without uh, considering uh, uh, other evidence, um, then that that's deed staking. So wh- where does that come from? Uh, where, what principle of surveying does that follow? Well, conveniently, uh, for the deed staking community, um, um, they created uh, and uh, got to put this one right on Walt Robor. Okay, he was involved in the case uh, apparently. Uh, this first surveyor concept. The first surveyor concept, which is pure surveyor mythology, and it goes and it goes like this. Um, <clears throat> this is this is a pure survey mythology. It's a, it's a surveyor contrived concept, and, and it goes like this. Um, so there's an original surveyor, and then there's a retracing surveyor, and the original surveyor will be honored as an original surveyor if that original surveyor. Uh, follow proper procedure or is close enough. And uh, the, the argument usually surrounds the, cent, the center, quarter, uh, center corner of a, of a section of land. Uh, we're all somewhat familiar with sectionalized lands. I, I, I imagine even eastern state surveyors are these one-mile squares that the general land office uh, put on the ground. The, the checkerboard pattern across the uh, across the face of our country that can be seen from outer space. These one-mile squares, they set the four corners of the section, and then they set quarter corners between uh, the section lines, between the section corners on each section line. Uh, however, um, that's only eight corners. In legal contemplation, the regular section uh, consists of 16 lots. If you break it down on paper into its aliquot parts, uh, by drawing straight lines between the opposing quarter section corners and the opposing 16th corners, you end up with 16 lots, 16 40 acre, nominal 40-acre tracks, or the quarter of a quarter. Uh, but they, and, and that creates 25 corners, one of them being the center quarter, uh, or the center corner. Um, the government, the, the general land office, only set eight of the... 25. What did they expect to happen with uh, the other 17 corners? 
Well, so this first surveyor concept comes uh, is is generated um, uh, to to cover the bases for uh, staking the deed. So uh, let's just talk about the center quarter. Here's how it works. Um, if you are a surveyor going out into a section of land, number one, you're you're expected to uh, break that section down all over again, even though it's already been subdivided more than once. And when you get to the center quarter, if there's a if there's a corner there, corner marker there, uh, and there might be there could be several, but if there's a corner marker there, uh, that surveyor who set that marker is merely a first surveyor. And that surveyor will be honored as an original surveyor if that surveyor followed proper procedure or the results are close enough. Uh, you And sometimes even if the results are close enough, uh, with you know, the precision expectations we have, um, a foot might not be close enough. Within a foot of, uh, of how it should have been set through proper procedure, that, that might not even be close enough. If the, if proper procedure weren't, wasn't followed, then that surveyor isn't an ori- is not an original surveyor. That surveyor is merely a f- the first surveyor to attempt to uh, subdivide the section. And if uh, the proper procedure wasn't followed, then that surveyor can be kicked out, just a bum, and the section can be broken down all over again. The center quarter can be set anew. Uh, in a new position where it's never ever existed before. The only problem with the well, there's a lot of problems with the first surveyor concept. Uh, the biggest problem is it completely ignores. It puts the surveyor up on a stage. The spotlight is on the surveyor. It completely ignores the most important people in the equation, and that is the landowners. And this kind of goes back to the definition from the. the uh, NCEES has come up with. Um, first surveyor attempted to establish, but you know what? First surveyor was just a bum because he didn't follow proper procedure. So we're going to go reestablish the center quarter. Well, surveyors don't establish anything. Boundaries get established through the activity and inactivity of the landowners. So this, this first surveyor concept is narcissistic in the extreme. It completely ignores the most important people in the equation, that is the landowners. What they did and did not do as a result of that first surveyor coming out there to attempt to, um, uh, to attempt to put the center quarter on the ground. And also the 2009 manual, not really saying anything different than earlier manuals, just making it absolutely clear uh, how this whole process takes place completely debunks the first surveyor concept. Completely debunks the first surveyor concept. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, the case the case is, okay, we're going to have to start wrapping things up here, folks. We're going to it looks like we're going to uh, we're going to end the program here in about 45 seconds or so. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll talk about uh, I'm going to try to wrap up by the end of the year. Try to wrap up uh, this discussion on a new practice model and uh, then next year I'm going to be focusing on getting guests onto the program so that um, you're not just having to listen to me Uh, so um, I I wish all of you uh, and I know uh, the people at America's Web Radio wishes uh, everyone a very Merry Christmas 
And if we don't talk to you uh, before then, hopefully we will. Uh, uh, a very merry new year. And uh, I don't know if David will allow me to say this or not, but roll tide. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks a lot. Have a great, great week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.